I'm telling everyone, I've got this great bank of lights uh, behind me, so I know when we're going to go fully live on, on top, uh, all the streams. Um, everyone, it's Women in Food and Farming. As we wait for all the streams to go live, hello, everyone. Um, special hello to Helen. Helen, say hello to everyone. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you. And we've got Beverly. Say hello, Beverly. Hi, everyone. Good to see you all. And Be Beverly's in a very new uh, posh offices in, in, in G's, and she's invited us all to, all, all to have a look, haven't you, Beverly? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll walk around with the camera later. I usually have it oh, in the wrong you. direction anyway. And uh, Debbie's up in Shropshire. How's Shropshire, Debbie? Wonderful. Great weather, apart from no rain. Right, so, uh, and we think Christine's in Portugal. Could you confirm? No, no I'm, I'm in Macclesfield, and it has rained almost all day today. Oh no! The colour of my grass. I think I should be cutting it and giving it to everybody else. I on it. We it just we just get rain here. If ever I, I never checked. I never. I swore I'm never going to buy another house without actually checking the checking the weather. Before we move make sure make sure it's not on the bottom of a hole for the weather, and uh, it's also got uh, decent internet. And everyone, we're just in the green room, and we were comparing uh, what's uh, what's uh, surrounding us. Um, Helen, we'll come on to you in a minute because you've got a lovely background where you are. I've got the window open here and I've got a buzzard. I've got a massive buzzard on the on the farm site that, that we're on that's feed, feeding its young. So, so if you see me doing this, you know what's uh, what's going on. I've been attacked by buzzards. Um, uh, Helen, just describe the scene that you've got to your left window and your right window because that was lovely. Yeah, so, so out of that way, I can see a combine back and forth. I'm not quite sure what the crop is, but on that side, um, they've combined the wheat and then yesterday there was a, um, a muck spreader going back and forth um, and then we had a huge um, flock of Canada geese come and spend the night on oh, that wow. stubble field so whether they were finding something in the muck or just the, the grain that had spilt so that was nice they've all taken off now and gone somewhere else. Excellent and, and Beverly come on give, give us a postcard from from G's at Barway what can you see out of your window what's mm. going on with, the, with, with your incredible business today? Out of my window, I can see organic harvest. I can see a reservoir and Ely Cathedral. Oh, well, okay. And, and, what, and what are you harvesting organic-wise? So that, that's Little Gem. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Ooh, Just outside of the window. Okay. And Debbie, I hope you, hoping you haven't got rain like uh, Christine has in, um, in Macclesfield. What, what, what can you see out of your windows, please? Oh, I can see uh, green grass. And um, two horses trying to eat it at the moment, and they probably need moving on. Excellent. Do, do these horses have names? We will start everyone in a minute. Probably. Holly and Dolly. Of course, it's Holly and Dolly. Better than Benson and Hedges or Smashing Crest. Right. Who's going to start this? Christy, tell it. Tell everyone about women in food and farming, and uh, before we uh, do the do, do the big rah rah for um, for Helen, please. Christy, over to you. Women, women in food and farming has been going for about twelve years. And all we used to be was um, we'd meet up three times a year in London, um, largely because it was accessible to everybody, not because we necessarily wanted to be London centric. And um, people used to come considerable distances. And uh, I went to a lot of effort to try and get people who were under 30 to come whenever we could. If we got a sponsor, it would be free to under 30s. Um, and we would generally have a speaker and we would all just chat and network. And it was all women. A lot of us, you know, were, were sort of further further on in our careers and other ones were others were obviously quite new and it was just people realizing that these people that they read about in, in in Farmers Weekly or whatever else they could go and have a chat with them about all sorts of things so it was really trying to encourage people and, and to say that it can be very lonely being a woman in food and farming 
and that when you suddenly get them all together and there's 150 of you and the noise was just <laughs> um but but you and, and everybody's just nattering you don't feel alone anymore and you make instant friends and instant connections and if you need career advice there's someone you can talk to I, I felt like it was always my party and people might say I'm really interested in going and doing such oh I've got just the person let's look you over here so really what what we're doing now is is trying to have some sort of continuation of it that that you know as a result during covid where since november 20 we've had monthly meetups it was on zoom and we used to get lots of people in and we used to try and put them into breakout rooms but that's rather fizzled out but people listening to our speakers and us having a bit of a, a natter beforehand it, it seems to be very popular whether they're watching it on linkedin or facebook or they watch it later on and i think we all try and tweet about it so people can get links and we've had a vast range of topics, some of it on personal style and some of people who are experts in their area, like, like, like Helen is today. And we are planning to have a get together in September and I will have the date ready before the end of the meeting. I do know it, but it's at Savile. So we're going to do one of the get together again. I've, I've got down the 26th of September. 26th of September at Savile in, in London. They've kindly um, allowed us to have their room for free. Um, which means that, you know, what people are paying for, it's, it's going to be £30 just covers the cost of the drink and the food. Um, and uh, and we, we will just get together and sort of carry on that whole vibe because it does seem to be extremely valuable to, particularly to younger people in the industry. And I think those of us who've, who've got a bit more experience just love people asking us for our views and, and opinions and for any assistance. Excellent. I've just had a WhatsApp. Uh, does that mean if you're going back to in-person events that you're going to sack Max? <laughs> I think what's been wonderful about these um, these virtual events or our monthly talks is that um, we've had people from all over the UK and surprisingly, and I think it's largely your connections, Max, we've had people from all over the world. And actually one of yeah. our was somebody that you recommended from India who had a great, had a great cooperative or great, great That's right. business anyway, um, who asked me afterwards how to get into G's, by the way, Beverly. I'm not sure whether that came to any use, but I gave us some contacts. But, um, and so I think, you know, they are never going to be able to come to London. So I think that if there is still a demand for us to be doing these monthly ones, we will continue and possibly do it without you, Max, because not only do you provide the medium and you've got a vast network to promote it out to, but um, it's it's rather fun having you holding it all together. And um, um, yeah. I, I, I was trying to explain to someone the other day that I, I host this uh, amazing uh, ladies group, Women in Food and Farming, and it always seems to be me with 150 women and I, I saw trying to try to get my, my my head around that that's uh I I now I enjoy it and um and, and I think that all the good that we've got out of this in the respect of keeping everyone linked in together and as, as you mentioned Christine about that the overseas connections that's the beauty of this type of conversation that we we are not parochial to just 40 miles around Beverly and I and um in Ely, Ely and Barrison Edwards we, we, we could be global with it and I must look at the stats at some point I did um did at some point ago there was 32 different countries have dialed into women and food and farming in, in previous broadcasts so, so the reach is um is tremendous and I and I just think it'd be such a shame to lose all that's been achieved just doing go back to some three events a year in London so I think we'd probably carry on with doing and have one event a year OK, so everyone, we've just had a, a mini uh, a mini committee meeting and we seem to be ro rolling with this as, uh, as normal, make, make it up as we as we get as we go along. But listen, everyone, we must we must kick on. We've got because we've got the uh, amazing Helen on and we, we've got to find out uh, all about her. So shall we shall we um, look to be a, a bit professional? Um, Christine, Beverly, uh, Debbie, can you just turn off your 
um, your feeds, um, your, your videos. And, and um, guys, uh, guys, girls, ladies, I'm going to call you back in at the at the end because we're, you'll you'll have some really interesting questions for um, for, for for Helen. Helen, I'm just going to throw it over to yourself, please. Um, could you just introduce yourself to to the UK to the world? Yes. So so I work for the National Farmers Union, and I can uh, explain what that is in a moment. And I'm the um, Chief Advisor for Science and Regulatory Affairs okay. at the NFU. And, and what I'm going to do, um, Helen, just be, especially for the people on the board broadcast, oh, sorry, on the podcast, I've only been doing this two and a half years. Um, I just want to give a bit more background because they really love the um, the, the, the detail um, of, of it. So here we go. Women in Food and Farming, August broadcast with guest speaker, Dr. Helen Ferreri, Chief Science and Regulation, Regulatory Affairs Advisor at the NFU. Helen leads the NFU's policy and advocacy work on agriculture and horticultural science and research, biotechnology, data and food safety on behalf of the NFU's 55,000 members in England and Wales. Based at the NFU headquarters in Warwickshire, she leads a policy team covering plant health and crop protection, farm safety, skills and training, transport, labour and employment. Wow. Helen is also non-executive director of NIAB. I'm chair of the Crop Science Centre Alliance Board and is a member of many other groups and panels in the agri-food and research community. Before joining the NFU in 2004, Helen was a research scientist at Imperial College London, working on a probabilistic modelling of dietary exposure to pesticides. She has an academic background in environment and health, human health, epidemiology and environmental science. I've murdered some, some of those words there, Helen, but in, in, a, in a nutshell, does that summarise you? Yes, yeah, definitely. That's, and, that's where and, I've come from. And Helen, what, what was your background beforehand? Because to 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 not be patronising, to get to where you are now, at, at this sort of um, I don't want to say pinnacle, because there's there's more a lot more chapters in your book yet to come. But you're in such a an important position within the NFU. Let's go back to um, basics. What's what's your what's your family background? Are you from a, a farming family, or did you come no. from? A, go on, tell us. <laughs> no, not not a farming family. Um, so just but you know grew up grew up um actually this where i am now is is where i was uh, brought home from the hospital 45 years ago so um very rural area of the country um but not farming background um i was just i guess always interested in um in science but but not the kind of pure maybe geeky end of science but more how it actually applies to what's going on around us so I was really keen um, when I was looking at kind of where to go to university I guess to to do something that that wasn't just a, a pure um, science subject but that was very interdisciplinary and I went to um, University of East Anglia for my oh, first degree and that was yeah so it's, it was one of the first um, places um, that did an environmental science degree, a, a, um, a really interdisciplinary degree, um, which I really enjoyed, and then and then went on to do a master's um, at Imperial College in Environmental Technology. Again, very um, interdisciplinary, um, and I was uh, I was yeah I was really keen. I was keen to go to Imperial partly because of the rowing. Um, <laughs> uh, so excellent. <laughs> so I will ad I will admit now that. Um, that I, I took a master's that I thought I could uh, I could 
do quite well alongside the rigors of um, of a lot of rowing training, which I is love, what I do. I, I, love, I love that. I love, love that you're, you're so blatantly honest. That yeah, <laughs> I went to Imperial College, <clears throat> College for the academia, not nothing else. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, not the rowing or the social <laughs> life that went with it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and obviously, on the rowing, you were very successful, weren't you? Because you made it to the Olympics, didn't you? <laughs> well, I have to say, I did oh. row with um, several people that went to the Olympics. Seriously. So. It was at it was at quite a high level, which um, which meant yeah, I was burning the candle at both ends definitely while I was doing my masters. But you know, I'd highly recommend that when you have the the energy of of youth. youth. Um, so yeah, and then you know, then I then I wanted to. I thought I well again to be to be frank um, and open with everybody. My sister is a doctor. A medical doctor and I am quite squeamish and thought well I can't be a medical doctor but I'd quite like to be a doctor so I'll do a PhD <laughs> um, and uh, but my PhD was actually was at Imperial College as well and was actually um, I did it um, kind of part-time in a way so I was also doing some lecturing on on the MSc course that I did myself environmental technology um but it uh yeah it was it was it was very um uh again interdisciplinary but i think i found with doing a phd that i was i was kind of getting knowing more and more about less and less okay. <laughs> and i and i thought i actually i probably don't want to stay in academia by the end of by the end of my yeah. um my time as a research assistant and phd student at imperial okay so we have Sorry, Helen, we have, we have a number of um, uh, students dialed in from the, from the UK overseas, as we sort of intimated in, um, uh, earlier. When, when you got to the, the end of your PhD, did you have sort of three options uh, to look at, at academia, I don't know, ag agriculture, or, or how, how did that work? How, how, how did you end up where you are now? Yeah, well, I, I did. I mean, there's definitely the option to, to stay in academia. Um, which I kind of ended up thinking I didn't really want to do because I mean I'm sure you know it's it's probably even more so now that a lot of time is spent trying to get funding um, which yeah. wasn't really what I was excited about and so yeah I just I just was looking around for for jobs to be honest and um, and these a couple of jobs came up at the NFU um, and as I was doing um, my PhD was. You know, continuing with my interest in in the kind of interaction between humans and the environment and particularly human health and the environment um, and the jobs the, the job I got at the NFU was called food science advisor it doesn't exist anymore um, but uh, that was back in 2004 and um, so and you know that that fitted with the kind of interaction of of the environment food and yeah. people's health and the production of food um so yeah that's, I, I don't, Helen just had a, had, had a whatsapp because so many of us have uh, got um lovely recollections of the nfu when i uh, finished college my first job was with the with was with the nfu as a group secretary which officer was helen based in was she based in london or had they already relocated to stonely Wait, no we were, i was in london really um so, oh, oh, um, sorry the, the old office or the newest office in Covent garden uh, yeah it? shaftesbury avenue yeah the new the new new well the 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 last office i guess in, in london um yeah. in near covent garden um, but i knew when i applied that they would be relocating because i didn't really want to part of the other reason to to kind of change and move on from imperial was that i didn't want to live in london anymore 
Yeah. Um, I'm not really a city person. Yep, so okay. um, I was I was keen that there was a job that was moving and it was moving back to the Midlands and I you know I like the Midlands um, so yeah so that's why that's why I applied. I, I can imagine I can imagine that's an interview at, uh, at the NFU um, when they say Helen have you any questions of us? Uh, yes I understand that you're re relocating but when where you're relocating is there a nice long straight river? Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. No, well, we've never been asked that one before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where can I row exactly? Um, so, yeah. so, let's, so, so you, you get into the um, NFU. Uh, first impressions of the NFU in two thousand and four. Yeah, I mean, really different from now. I sometimes think back to the to then and compare it to the to the way we work now. Um, but in, but also a lot of similarities in terms of. I mean, the the, the differences are. Um, a, a lot of you know how we communicate with each other and how oh, wow. we how we do our work you know we didn't have I didn't have a, a laptop or a mobile phone when we started I remember really <laughs> clearly the, oh, the, the, the message of the email that came round from the the kind of the bosses saying you can either have a phone or a laptop um you, wow. you decide one or the other <laughs> Um, so, you know, those kinds of things are very different. But what was what's the same is the fact that it's a it's an interaction between um, our members and the specialist staff. So that's kind of that's that's how we operate. Um, you know, lots of change in terms of um, the kind of focus and the and, for example, our, our communications department has, has massively increased. We brought yeah. a lot of. Um, kind of bits of the organisation together into into headquarters in terms of our kind of professional services. Um, so we're 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 able to be all kind of in one building. Um, and some areas have have developed, but yeah, it's. It, I guess my first impressions were there's such a huge variety of things to get involved in, and that's what's kept me there all this time. Is actually. it because really, I've got a bit. If you remember the the colloquial story about how the NFU was created in the first place, what, what was it? Was it six farmers at a? Yeah. Um, at, was it was it a, was it a puppy show or something? It, well, I don't know. There was there's some there's something about um, uh, a meeting in Islington, which I always thought think is quite is quite funny. Which is actually when I was living in London, I was living near Islington um, in, in you know some meeting in Islington Town Hall, which I thought was quite amusing. But yeah, wow. and and uh, so, so they they created it with. Um, that that community, that farming community in in mind, and you look where it is today, and all the changes that you've seen since two thousand and four. Crikey, you think of all the all the changes and um, coming over the next 20, 30 years, let alone in communication, let alone in oh, where do we start? Um, sustainability, carbon neutrality, re regen ag. So, so you and your colleagues, you've had to be very fleet of foot to be. What, to be relevant because you've got to be relevant um to to your members because otherwise they're not gonna they're, they're not gonna pay they're not gonna engage and likewise you need to be relevant to um to the the outside world to to me the i, I always um, i always pick on uh tom bradshaw the the, the, the vice president because he's so he, he's so good he's such a great um orator and when i interview people like like him it sort of makes me proud to know um that we've got those sort of individuals in the nfu but they would only be they're only as good as they are because of the, of the light, likes of yourself. So let's let's dig in, into that policy development, policy making within within the NFU. Just just a hold, hold our hand on that. How how does that work? How does that structure work internally? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the area of the of the NFU that I that I work in, um, our policy directorate, because we've also got um, a lot of as I, as I mentioned, professional services and um, 
and um, communications and our kind of membership services. But policy is really um, the, the heart of the organisation as a as an advocacy um, organisation. And um, really what what we're doing is is trying to kind of create the conditions for our members, for, for farmers and growers to be able to run their businesses in a in a kind of re resilient and profitable and sustainable way so we we you know we often say we don't we don't tell them what to farm or how to farm we create those those conditions and we look at what's required for that so we look at how to break down um, any barriers that might exist how to make sure that there are the opportunities that um, that they need um, and we can we can go into that, but we 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 basically look at where we can influence as as um, staff members, where we can influence to make sure that, for example, regulations um, are are proportionate and uh, and enabling and fit for purpose, um, and and actually work in terms of the, the commercial realities of of a of a farm business. Um, we might look at supply chain relationships, and obviously, Christine very very much aware of that in terms of the. Um, uh, grocery code adjudicator um, role you know that's a kind of uh, something that has been was a battle for for many many years um, that the NFU um, was taking part in and then you know we look at any kind of um, strategy or, or um, plans that any of any organization that has an impact on farm businesses yeah. That, yeah. that is being developed we try to, to to get involved in that process obviously a lot of that is is working with government um, and with all the various agencies and, and organizations related to government, but many other, um, many other parts of the supply chain or, um, or organizations that are influencing farming, we try to work with them and, um, and influence for the benefit of, of our members. So a lot of it, you know, it's, it's uh, so much of it is, is about um, talking to our members about what's going on, getting their input from the, the, the practical commercial standpoint, and then talking to the people that are kind of making the decisions that are going to impact um, farmers. Um, and yeah, we, we there's, there's, there are various processes within that, but that's basically what policy is, policy making and development. And, and Helen, just, just how the NFU has changed since 2004, since you joined and, and you, you, you've also, um, uh, more within within the business to, to your current role have you found farmers have also changed in in that have they got more i don't i don't want to say more professional have, have they got more business-like than perhaps they were um 20 30 years ago and as such um you you've had to guide your advice you, you've had to be uh more, more succinct or, or and be more, more directed by them have, have farmers changed yeah i mean in in, in many ways no so what <laughs> you know it in terms of you know the core business and what drives people to be a farmer, I mean that you know that that has has remained for many of them. But I think you know that the the context for the answer of, of, to your question is that it's such a varied industry. I mean it's it's yeah. um, incredible. Even you know obviously between sectors there are a lot of kind of um, uh, differences in terms of farming systems, but within an individual farming sector or the, just the way different farmers produce the same crop or run you know run uh, what you might think of as a similar type, um, similar business huge variation in that 
but also which is the kind of people element of the job which I find really interesting is just that remembering that farmers are are people they're just individuals um, who have different um, approaches to life they have different um, tolerances for risk um, they have different views and different feelings about you know why they're doing what they're doing um, but I think ultimately you know the 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 nature of farming is that um, for, for many, many people, it's their way of life. It's not a job yeah. as such. Um, and and, and Helen, likewise, I, I imagine your inbox must be eclectic. And, and that's it. Well, just, just look at the makeup of, of, of um, our people that we've, we've just had on. We've got Beverly, um, who's uh, part of a, of a half billion pounds uh, fresh produce sector. We've got Debbie with sheep up in, uh, um, up in Upper Shropshire um, and, and horses. Um, you got, uh, the, so, so, so do, do you have to be um, a, a master of all, of, of all sectors? Because you've got everything com coming at you. Yeah, and that's you know that's the that's the massive challenge with the with the role and with our roles, particularly in the department that I'm in is is the cross sector department within within policy. So we have another department that focuses on the on the individual sectors with small teams for each sector, whereas um, my colleagues um, in, in our um, in our land use and innovation department. We, we cover all of those sectors and and it's actually very you know we, we do have our specialist areas and, and you know, um, the um, audience will will have heard from your introduction the the, the breadth of the um, the specialist areas within my team so you know transport for example and 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 dealing with you know or dealing with pesticides but for my particular role um, it, I I can't, I couldn't possibly know all the about all the projects, all the, the research projects that are going in with ag, within agriculture, or understand all the different technologies that are used within agriculture. So, what it what it requires for for my role is to remember that you don't have to know everything. Yeah. But what yeah. you need to know is who to ask. Yeah. And yeah. that that net the ability to network and the and and establish those relationships and meet people that's what makes it possible to do my job and luckily and that's why I've been there for so long that's the bit that I really enjoy yeah. is is making those relationships and, and building my network um, and, and getting and, to know people and, and that's why I've, I've always uh, love admired people like you and I, and I want especially the younger generation to to learn from you because um and it's not time to, to be, be modest i bet that you could uh, with a with a moment's notice stand on a stage in front of a bunch of dairy farmers a, a bunch of um um uh, uh pig farmers a bunch of arable farmers um and talk to them um on uh, matters of the day so that they get a good understanding of not only you but the nfu and, and, the, and the general direction and yes if, if you get thrown any curveball questions you'll be able to uh there'll be one of the team behind that be able, able to help i think that's where the nfu and let, let alone the press so you must yeah. so, so you you have to be very very fleet of foot that, that comes that expression again um, um and, and be very erudite on that basis yes yeah i mean it's um and, and what you also get in a room full of um full of our members and we do um you know, we do a lot of of meetings as well as the kind of meetings that we have with our with stakeholders and you know conferences and things like that we also do a lot of um meetings with our members out in the regions and you know like with with um with uh, group secretaries and 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 so on, um, and you never know really who you've got in the room, and you don't you don't know what where they're 
coming from in terms of you know what's what's um, worrying them on that particular day um, but the it's really important for because we're a membership organization we we have to um, understand our members and kind of do what they need even if we're not always doing what they might want individually yeah. or even if we're coming across issues where we have really divergent opinions on things we have to take that that understanding of of what the industry needs to um, translate that into the messages that we're giving to decision makers and 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 policy makers um and and that that can be you know that can be very difficult because people have very very um diverse circumstances um but that's that's the challenge and then of course you know that's us as staff but um our our structure is a democratic one so every two years our president deputy president vice president and then we have our our office in wales um with their president and deputy president they are elected every two years and there's a vote all of our members and through through um uh county representatives vote our office holders in so there's 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 a political with a small p element there that we have to we they are representing their constituents um and so you know that is another another kind of factor in 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 the work we do we're not a we're not a think tank in that way we are accountable to and our office holders are accountable to our members but it it isn't another reason why the nfu is is so so fresh and dynamic uh, because you have to keep on um uh, changing evolving um especially with the if it's the right expression the electoral system that you have you can't be not that you ever would be as a as a as a, as a group but you can't be complacent because you've, you've got that structure in place so i think yes i'm yes. sure it's very pressured pressurized but it's but it's also very healthy yes i think i think so and i think you know it, it's it it means that we're kind of reflecting the what's going on in the yeah. in the industry um very closely and um you know it it yeah it, it means that we have to we have to understand um the the issues but it, it you know that yeah it is it is a challenge but i think it also means because we've got that structure we and but we've got that structure but we also have the the staff behind as you yeah. mentioned earlier in terms of um, reference to tom bradshaw that that we can we can make sure that we are sticking with and it's obviously something very important to me sticking with the evidence so that we are actually when we're doing our policy work we're we're doing it in a in a um a kind of analytical and evidence-based way because what's really really important when you're in trying to influence um government or anybody else is that you have the respect and 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 maintain the reputation for being a reasonable yeah. people to deal with who are interested in in the evidence yeah. um, rather than being um just a kind of shouty group of people that you know and and yeah so that I, I, to me that that's you know that's my personal um view of why the nfu is is as strong as it is and, and how um, that leads me out to respect. Thank you, Helen. That leads me on to my next question that just came in from WhatsApp. I totally agree uh, with Helen that farmers have, haven't really changed over the years. Can you ask Helen, have governments changed over the years? <laughs> oh, I mean, the, 
Either. Oh, where do we start? The level, I mean, the, the kind of level of incompetence currently, I just, I, I, I don't know whether there's ever been that before. I mean, it's, it's you know. I'm, um, I'm going to put words in, in your mouth. It just feels like, um, let, let me say, it, it feels like we're, we're in, a, um, in, a, in a zombie government at the moment. We've, we've got to, uh, two individuals who are going to vine to be um, leader, prime minister of uh, the Tory party, um, claiming they're going to fix everything, but they were senior uh, cabinet leaders in the in the, in the government exactly. where we might have had, had, had some issues. You exactly. Really... I mean, there's, you know, it's very difficult to navigate. It's, it's difficult. I think, you know, generally it's difficult if there's, um, you know, a high turnover of um, of ministers within DEFRA and there, there, you know, there has been, I can't remember the figure that, that our president met that as, in, in terms of the number of um, the number of secretaries of state she's she's dealt with and her predecessors have dealt with, um, but what you know what I've seen over the over the last eighteen years is how much of a difference it makes um, who's in charge of um, Defra, for example, um, and the the tone that that then sets within. Um, within the whole department and of course you do have a massive turnover of civil servants as well which can be very problematic but that what what the how the tone is set and I think that obviously goes beyond um the the second you know the our, de our department as you might call it obviously the tone is set by prime minister and that makes a massive difference but we've 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 definitely seen that what's been interesting actually and particularly in areas, um, you know, in areas that I've dealt with, for example, biotechnology, um, is that you you can't always predict the color what the color of government will will mean in terms of their view on um, on on agriculture. Um, and you know, we've had we've had um, positive and negative experiences with both Labour and Conservative governments, and differing views on specific issues depending on who's who's whether they're in opposition whether they're in power because obviously in opposition you can kind of say what you like yeah. um it, it's just it's very interesting yeah, um, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say that say this, this is my, my personal view um or not or, or, or sounding of a of an individual i, I quite uh, admire lord heseltine it's uh, quite often wheeled out by his uh, political views and as he states he hasn't been actively involved in parliament for the last 20 years but he his view is is that we need someone in um who is actually going to um change whitehall and the civil service because it's the whitehall and the civil service that are the blockers um it's, it's like the turkeys voting for christmas they just they're very slow and very ponderous and we've had enough examples of seeing that with some um projects that that, that we've seen in the lights of uh, the, the, the the fresh produce sector that it's the civil service that don't want to move or don't want to move at pace so we need so lord Hestine states we need this robust individual who can look to change things and unfortunately it's none of the uh none of the individuals currently vying uh for the uh leader of the conservative party uh to be, become prime prime minister but that, that aside, again, um, all credit to, to yourself and your colleagues, because it just feels like you 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 got this football, you got this goal, um, and the goal just is constantly moving. It's not just left and right; it's up, up and down. But you, you've done this so, so well for uh, since two thousand and four. But presumably, you, you just just keep going, know, knowing that the only thing that you can predict is change. Ah, you just you yeah, just got to exactly. keep going. Exactly, and I think you know, I think you, again, you know, coming back to the evidence, I think if you stick with understanding and and pushing the evidence um, and 
um, also engaging with people. So whoever, you know, basically you have to work with whoever you've got and there will be very different characters. I just think of, you know, over the years, um, all the different um, chief scientific advisors in DEFRA, all of them have been such different characters and you just, you have to work with what, with what you've got and you have to find those ways to build relationships because I really think that's, that's the way to um to make change is to build relationships with people understand where they're coming from um and that's that's how you do it and again you look at yourself you look at minettes you 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 look at uh you look at tom just set segue because we we were talking about this when we caught up pre to this pre pre this uh, broadcast science and policy making and and you you really like that element what 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 is that link between uh between science and 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 policy making because as as we were talking about um uh, that the government at the moment is all a bit bit um bit, bit shouty with yourself it, it must be fascinating but also quite difficult to to link link those those two up um especially yeah. when you've got that that churn of people whether it be within government or, or elsewhere why, why why do you enjoy that element of um of your role yeah i think i mean the the, the variety is good um as i said i think i think um academia obviously a lot of people love getting really really heavy deep into into things um, and I can understand that, but for me, I like um, having that overview, and I like being able to talk to a lot of, of scientists and go around and look at what they're doing, and then kind of leave them to it. Um, and and also, I think that it's turning the turning the science into something real. Um, so, or I mean, obviously, the science is real, but turning turning the science into something that can make a difference to um somebody other than another scientist um yeah. because i really you know i i and 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 the the challenge there is that that it, the lag time between doing the science in your lab or wherever it is and that making a difference can be a, a huge amount of time it can be decades and decades and lots of, you know got plenty of examples of, of all different um areas of science um on that but um ultimately i think there isn't I, to, for me, the value is in actually impacting something yep. beyond academia, um, and so and and also the decisions that people. I'm very much, you know, my, my my view generally of life is that that when you do something, there should be kind of a reason for doing it and some kind of you know evidence with a very small e. Um, yeah. That, that you think that by doing something in a certain way you will you will get a an impact and so when I see rules being made or, or guidance being um, being developed um, or kind of all of these schemes that are being developed under the new the post brexit um, um, future farming and countryside program if if there if all of those kind of um, principles and guidance and incentives aren't based on an understanding of the system, which is which you you've managed to get because of some kind of scientific research, could be decades ago. Yeah. It's not going to achieve the outcome that you want. It's not going to deliver the policy, whether that policy is you know more um, more birds or water yeah. protection or clean air or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. needs to be based on something. And and yeah, so that's it's that that's why I enjoy it because it feels like it's science being turned into something um 
that's going to improve things. So, so are, you, are you a bit like a catalyst that, that some scientists that I, I know are hugely intelligent, but perhaps not the best at, uh, at presenting their, their, their findings and how that could be a benefit. So you you get that and you also uh, can, can use that platform of the, the NFU and, and your connections to to educate, whether that be government or, or, or the general public or, or the trade, trade in general. Would, would that be a good description to, yeah. to accuse you of, of, of being that catalyst between science, science and the, the NFU uh, externally yes yeah to a degree and i think um i think it's important to so, you know something i argue with in terms of influencing um funders is to um recognize those within the science community that are good and keen on um uh, communicating with the non-academic audience and of course you need you know like in any sector you need a need all the variety you need all the different types of people um, and the different skills but those skills within academia haven't traditionally been um, recognized and incentivized and rewarded through an academic career but yeah. for, a, for, a, for agricultural science and for a sector like agriculture you need to you need those people to be you know, to be there, to be attracted into the sector, and then to be rewarded and 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 brought through um, yeah. because so, so, of the nature of our so, sector. So, come on, Helen, nuts and bolts. Uh, what do research funders and providers need to do then to achieve greater impact from from the research? What what does industry need to do to help them? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think a big um, a big part of it is. Um, is what we call knowledge exchange and it's 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 kind of the new version people used to call it talk about knowledge transfer didn't they yeah, yeah. um which was very much a kind of one way we're the experts and we're going to tell you what to do i think knowledge exchange or kind of extension and 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 the development end of r d that needs really um proper funding proper proper mechanisms, ways to get the evidence that's been generated to far more um, farmers and growers than you can do just by kind of individual project by project funding system. Um, it, it, the, the return on investment isn't going to be there if you're just focusing project by project because you know an, an individual farm business like G's, for example, will um, be able to benefit from a project that they get involved in that they may be um, uh, co-fund because there's a lot of this kind of collaborative R&D funding um, that they put in a lot of um, a lot of effort in terms of in-kind contribution and then and then G's will will um, benefit from that which is brilliant for G's but it won't the the results of that either won't ever get to a to the the rest of the industry or it'll take a very long time and um so what what I think needs to happen is there to be some kind of um a mechanism for all of that evidence to be to be gathered together to um to then be be put into an accessible form so that people making decisions on farm can access it and can and can use you know and it's not about accessing a, a, a scientific paper in a journal yeah. it's about science being translated into something that's actually usable by a decision maker and you might have heard people might have heard of um uh, what works centres, for for example. So, but they might not have heard of what works centres. They might have heard of um, of Nice, which is the uh, um, uh, a kind of what works centre for the medical profession, where all the evidence 
that is generated is turned into guidelines which are then used by doctors. There's a similar one for police. So the evidence around um, um, dealing with crime and what works and what doesn't work, that's all gathered together. There's one for teachers. What happens in the in the classroom? Do, you know, should you have two um, teaching assistants or three? Um, are bigger class sizes better or smaller? All of that evidence is then turned into something that teachers um, and school leaders can use. Well, you need something like that in farming because the individual projects are, are only really going to benefit those that are directly involved. Yeah. And the vast majority of farmers aren't going to be directly involved with a research project. No, no, I, I don't want to call them sheep, but they're, they're going to wait for other, other people to try technology, see, see that it works and then adopt it. Then they're not going to be those early, early adopters. Yes, there's a, I mean, there's, you know, there's a well-known kind of um, innovation adoption curve that, that is, you, know, you can Google. Um, and, the, and, and we, we need to, we need to get beyond the early adopters and into the section where you're getting people that are, that are um, picking up these new approaches and new technologies or new practices. Um, but it's very difficult to achieve that if government, if funders just do project by project. And, and that's fascinating. If it's okay, Helen, just, I just want to give everyone a bit of an understanding from, from us, because I've learned a lot in this area that we've done a number of broadcasts about some uh, companies, uh, funders looking to come into ag and fresh produce. So the last recession, uh, a number of funds came into agriculture because they saw us as a safe haven. And this in this perceived recession that we're, we're in or, or going into, the same is happening again, that uh, funds that traditionally weren't in ag are coming into, into ag in the UK and on an international basis, but they're also very interested in the periphery tech um, element of it. But then, um, Helen, you have the oddities of the, of the likes of, um, of, uh, of vertical farming, and we just see so many examples of, uh, well, a classic example, there's a, a client of ours been in ex existing for 30 years, lovely greenhouse business. They suffered a little bit over the pandemic uh, because um, they lost orders to, to the retailers because um, uh, the consumer was, um, was not going into, into store. They went for funding to put some more glass down, 30-year business, been with the same bank for 30 years. They had funding refused to expand their glass. Um, and uh, 10 miles up the road, there was another business that had been existing for uh, three years, managed to get £60 million worth of funding uh, to create a uh, dark vertical unit to grow a particular type of soft fruit. Um, and uh, they, they, they stated to us that um, if they wanted to go for another 60 million for another site, uh, the, the bank involved, and it's the same bank, uh, would, would have happily lent them. And it just seems so short-sighted. It almost feels like someone's had a very slick presentation and we're going to feed the world with the, with the soft fruits. And there's this very well-established business that was relying on, and, and, it, and it, 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 with, with this... Uh, with this perceived gold gold rush, you just wonder if there's going to be a, a lot of a lot of attrition from it. So now I, I I I love what you say about that actually needs to be a, a rethink because all these funders are, are coming in just looking for short term gain. They want to spray and pray. They want to invest in ten things, hoping that one of them is going to be the Facebook equivalent for vertical farming. Yes, yeah, so it seems seems a bit a, a bit confusing. <laughs> it sounds like they all need to be members of the NFU, Helen, and be educated. Well, it's just you know it's 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 the kind of um, shiny thing that people always love and they always you know, they, they, there's this idea that things have to be transformational and um and i i can see that to a point and i can see that when it comes to um the, you know the really major challenges um that you know that climate change there's an urgency there things need yeah. to change but you do need to work with what you've got and 
um, and shiny new things I don't think are going to actually transform the, the whole sector, which is about producing food for the domestic market. It's not just about kind of microgreens or whatever, but there is, you know, there's, 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 that's important as well. I don't, I think people are always looking for kind of, you know, the silver bullet to, to, to solve everything. And you, what you need is a huge, is a variety of approaches and that's how you're going to get resilience you know that you, you need that kind of wide portfolio of, of operations um yeah yeah, it's a, yeah it's a very challenging um you know terribly challenging sector to be in and with the levels of uncertainty with obviously cost inflation um levels of uncertainty around um around policy and around regulation um it's, it's, a, it's a tricky time at the moment and i think yeah but helen let's let's be positive it's also a very positive time sector to be in, involved in i've always been educated and, and taught that um, um in, a, in a world war world recession world pandemic um if you're in the eating or the cleaning game you're going to be in, in a good spot and we do feel hopefully there's this uh, positive hangover from uh, from covid about uh, fresh food uh, consumption and people getting a better understanding as to um, where agriculture is coming from and and it was, it was fascinating going to the likes of um, uh, uh, Groundswell and, and seeing the younger dynamic that was involved um, there as, as well that the, the future looks bright in, in, in that that area but, but for, for you the m most challenging areas that that you get that you get involved with that I, I suppose that you have to translate to uh, with, with your NFU hat on having, mm -hmm. having listened to all, all the academia I mean I think I think um, uh policy-wise, but obviously the, the basis of it is, is scientific development. Um, biotechnology has always been the kind of the most okay. emotive um, and challenging area that I've dealt with. And, you know, for a long time, that was that was GM, GM crops oh. largely. Yeah, um, okay. And, you know, when I first started the NFU, it was kind of the end of the period of, of those farm-scale evaluations. Wow, yeah. Um, wow. And... You know, it, again, politically interesting, interesting times um, with with Labour um, in power at that time being very keen and, and obviously you know, overseeing those those trials and Conservatives in opposition having to be persuaded. And now we're we're it's flipped round, yeah. <laughs> which is very interesting. But, you know, th that whole area is is a really, um, really challenging, but really interesting in terms of the interplay between the kind of the facts and the evidence and emotions and perceptions and 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 politics with a small and, and a big p um, and different kind of um agendas that different groups and and people have and also the fact i mean certainly with gene editing now um which has kind of taken over from gm in terms of um regulatory progress um and and potential in terms of the science, even though it hasn't taken over in terms of actual, you know, what's being produced around the world. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that it's also bringing out, and I think because of the current context and uncertainty and kind of slight nervousness within the industry, it's it's bringing out concerns more generally about um, the, the kind of power play within the supply chain. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we and again, it's an area where where we have very different views within the within the industry, within, within the NFU membership. Um, but we're able to, you know, 
we're definitely positive about innovation, positive about biotechnology and what it could what it could um, provide for the industry. Um, but also looking at people's concerns about what does that actually mean in terms of the businesses that are going to get involved. And what I what I try and do to kind of tread that balance is really particularly at the moment, focus on the rules have to be right. So there's regulatory process going through at the moment in terms of gene editing. The rules have to be yep. fit for purpose and enabling. The legislation has to be good. Um, that's an absolute bottom line. Um, and then, you know, what what people end up deciding to to grow um, and develop, that's, you know, that's a market issue. But the the, the rules have to be there. Um, and And, yeah, that's that's. I think that's the most um, the most challenging balancing that balancing the leap of imagination that our members have to take. You know, we don't grow they don't grow GM crops um, mm. at the moment. There isn't a you know there isn't a gene edited crop available for them to to choose. So they have to kind of take that leap of imagination and work out what what it means to them. And then I have to try and translate those um, views and ideas about what that could mean for the industry into um, a uh, plan for how to influence what's going on within within government. Helen, thank you. We're just running out of time. Um, can can um, Beverly, Christine, uh, Debbie come back in? And just as they're coming back back in, um, Kate, uh, Kate Russell just asked a really interesting question. The number of women in senior positions in the NFU and other agricultural organisations is impressive, but what more can we do to attract women into this industry and to study the subjects that will equip them to be uh, to do so? Sorry, I haven't got my glasses on. Uh, but so, Helen, how can we attract more people in, into the sector to, to create the, the success that you're, you're creating for, for us with the, within the NFU, please? Oh, I mean, you know, <laughs> provide the provide the opportunities. Um, you know, all all of our various organisations um, need to look really carefully at um, what's required in a in a particular role. I think. I mean, I, I there's no um, you know there's no difference in in what um, men and women can achieve within the industry, particularly. But I do think that um, that kind of maybe social and emotional intelligence that that um, that maybe a, a, a lot of women have is actually very important when you're looking at, at how to to influence um, policy or or yeah. to influence the way people are thinking. I think um, I mean you know in terms of kind of logistics, um, I've got twins and who were 10 and so I came back to the NFU having had them um, and came back and working three days a week um, and I'm still working three days a week um, and the NFU enabled that to happen which made a massive difference to me um, so those kind of logistical things I think flexibility is, is very important um, but just recognizing I really think recognizing the 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 different type of approach that women might bring to a to a um a question to a to a problem um and how valuable that can be i think that's that's what employers need to need to look at yeah but just, can I just say go christy i'm um, just saying the one one of the very very first meetings we had of, of women in food and farming was around um a, a table at the, at the farmers club when we had lunch and what was this was it was 12 years ago 
and virtually everybody in the room, with the exception of me actually, because I was working at the co-op at the time, was in either communications or something to do with the environment. And if you look back over the previous two decades, what had we got drastically wrong in our industry? It's communications and the environment. And it was just interesting that those, those are areas where women actually able to bring something to the industry that was missing. And I think that's what we're getting back by having so many more women in it now. Not saying the same jobs as the men, but there are, you know, we should be in the, we need to be there to be ourselves, not to try and, not to try and do, do the same job that, that men do. Really. I think, I think that authenticity, you know, like I said before yeah. about building relationships, for me, that's how I feel that I've, I've been successful in my, in my career. And, and in, in achieving things for our members is building those, building relationships with people. Um, and, you know, that, that being, you kind of have to be authentic if you're going to build relationships because people will see through it or else just be a bit uncomfortable if you're not being authentic to your, to yourself. So. And, and, and Tim, Tim, if it's okay, I just want to go back to that Groundswell example. That's at cereals. You looked at the, um, the the standard makeup of the individual there, and they're all very nice. But they were white male in the in the fifties. You go to Groundswell; it's a real mix of, um, I'd, I'd say, um, folk in the twenties and thirties, and um, half and half uh, male female. So to to me, there's a it's interesting how there's a real a real attraction to Groundswell regenerative agri agriculture, sustainability, uh, re regen ag, and if that brings more more um, individuals, um, especially more um, uh, females into the sector, that that will hope hopefully help the sector prosper just just jump jumping around to beverly with with g's and the the the, the size that you are half a half a billion pound turnover and sites in the states and west africa and spain uh, and, and portugal and poland did your relationship with the likes of the of the nfu do you lean on them uh, quite heavily or, or do you find that you're of a shape and size that you could be um, that that you could be fairly self sufficient in this this policy work mm. and this research work, or, or do you find that the lots of the NFU invaluable? Well, we we work closely with the NFU on all kinds of subjects, and um, I find the NFU great at sort of coordinating and bringing everyone together. And when I think across all the various different functions, whether it be people related or science related, the 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 benefit in the kind of in the roundtable approach is really helpful um but we do like you know helen pointed out we do do our own research and we do share that that work really with um through the cooperative that we've got so g's growers that's one way in which we share it albeit not as helen described it is a kind of lack of it going across industry um and also if it if it comes to writing to government those sorts of things we would we would always contribute to the nfu and we usually write our own letters as well um right. you know to explain where we're coming from yeah but presumably Beverly, you don't have a set of chinese walls are you sort of can't think the right terminology are you fairly open source that if really you open that, yeah, that really you would like to share with them yeah I, 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 i'm really mm. excited by what helen was saying mm. with respect to these funds that uh, that they're just so siloed and it's all mm. me 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 whilst if we could we've we got one example of a, a client of ours in the fresh sector who are creating a sustainability model and they've already decided that when they get it and, and fix it and they've got a phd student traveling the world mm -hmm. um, on it now they're going to make it open source um, yeah. we will need to see the details of it but ra rather than uh licensing it and um and, and, and trying to make a fast buck on it and flipping it uh, mm -hmm. we uh, don't know it feels like we, we need to do more good 
Mm. There's more good that can be done from the sector if we, here comes the word, collaborate more. Well, I was just going to add, it's those principles of open innovation. And I noticed Belinda Clark's on the call. She's an expert in open innovation and talks to people in G's about that. I've never forgotten it. And those principles, I think, is what we're talking about. Okay. Christine, Debbie, do we, do we need to see more of this? Can we actually create something um, out of this conversation with Helen? Can we, can we start a bit of a movement? Can we start a bit of a debate? Christine? I, I would like to see, uh, you know, what, what Helen is talking about, what they do is to try to join up a lot of what is required in the industry. Whereas um, my, my local MP was once one of the government ministers. You know, when we had five months of different ministers before Boris came in and uh, he, he was one of them. And he just said to me, I, you know, the farming industry make our life so much easier as ministers because he says we get yeah. so many different points of view from so many different people and so many different bodies, but it's quite easy to actually do nothing. And he said, I used to work in the motor industry and the motor industry had all got together, decided what they wanted. They lobbied us together and we had no choice but to do what the industry was asking us to do. So we may well feel that the NFU has got it, but they, I know, but, but we, you know, if, you, if you ask the ADEFRA how many different opinions they get on things, they've got so many yeah. talking to them. And we actually almost need to do an NFU plus plus where we're getting all bits of the industry together so that we're much more coordinated and focused in, in, our, in our, what, what we're saying to government. Debbie? We, we do that with, um, you know, with very, with yeah. some very specific um, areas, we will do that. And it's kind of, a, you know, a, a bit kind of behind the scenes um, where we work with our partner organisations and that can be really valuable. You're so right, you know, a single point of, of contact is so much easier for, for them to deal with. Okay. I don't want to be told what to do. I mean, uh, you, you talked about incompetence earlier. It's much easier if we give them the answer on a plate yeah. as to all of us giving them our arguments and expecting them to come up with the right answer. We and what, I mean, what has been really difficult, though, um, recently with, the, with this Future Farming and Countryside programme and with the, the Agricultural Transition Plan is, is this kind of new definition of co-design where it's basically talking to... In, they, DEFRA wants to engage with individual farmers to design things and you can see how that you know in theory how that that's a nice idea but, but. each of those individual farmers has their own view yeah. and their own particular business circumstance and that it really you know it makes it actually very difficult for us to then engage with DEFRA um, because we're an organization and I mean I think it came from Michael Gove do you remember when he kind of said he didn't want to talk to experts and he didn't want to talk to to organizations anymore he just wants to talk to individuals and oh, it doesn't kind of work really in practice and, and, and Helen just just to make it uh, really easy for, 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 for people like me if I could give you a proverbial magic wand what what would you what what can we do to make your life and for, for, for yourself and your colleagues as easy easy as possible as sort of the um, Christine's inferring what do you need from us to make uh, you to be able to sing and to get that message over to create that success that we all want you to create I mean as, as certainly from the from the innovation and technology side um, I sometimes feel like people only contact the NFU when they're when they're in trouble or there's a problem so one of the challenges I have is that I mean you know it, you haven't got endless time to, to find out what everyone is doing all of the time but um, it's really valuable for for us to have um, 
examples of the kind of innovative um, activities that are happening within farm businesses, because that really brings the whole thing alive. So the more that, um, that our members can share with us the interesting and exciting things that they're doing, then, you know, the better, because wow. then we can then amplify that if we do get asked and expected to know everything. Um, which sometimes we that's what happens um, we are able to then say well we we know this particular business is doing this and and so on so you know sharing information in the world of information overload but but it's it's the more we can know about what people are doing the better the good stuff so it's not just about we'll ring the NFU because because things are going badly yeah, understood. So, uh, so just just conscious of, of, of time, I've got a real googly. I'm, I'm sorry for you, Helen, but we've got, I've got to ask you this just in, on WhatsApp. Oh, can can Helen predict what's going to happen uh, on a, on a government basis and where farming is going to be with government over the next year, two years? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I I. Helen, have you got have you got a big have you got a big whiteboard in the NFU of all the all the possibilities that's going to happen? I mean, the, you know, the, the impression I get is that um, that the food security and um, actually having a domestic food production system that that works and that is resilient is fairly understood and accepted within within um, the political leaders leadership. Um, I think the the next Secretary of State will depend very much on who is the Prime Minister because they've got their friends or the people that they don't get on with. Yeah. Um, I think the, the the speed of change that we're seeing, you know, will only accelerate um, with with cost inflation. Um, I think next year is going to be a, a bigger issue um, for businesses even than than this year. Um, in terms of their their costs, um, but yeah, I I don't I don't expect a kind of massive realization that that farming and the rural vote is is the most important thing um, in in the next couple of years. Okay, um, but 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 again, another reason why we need to support you to 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 get to get that voice out. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think um, a, a kind of you almost need a reminder that everybody needs to eat because I think it's very easy um, for, for, for consumers but um, for, for decision makers within government to, to not quite realise and not understand where farmers and growers in this country are, how they are part of supplying food to people. Um, yeah. and, and there's a kind of mismatch between um, retailers and um, and the, the food supply chain talking about you know sourcing British and people being interested in that and what farmers are being the, the kind of signals farmers are getting in terms of actually delivering environmental goods and public goods and services um, it's quite it's a difficult it's a difficult one because you need to get those returns on them from the market for the food in order to do the, the public good stuff but a reminder that we all have to eat um, is, is probably quite an important um, message, really. Debbie, would you like to wrap up for us? I've, I've found that, that last hour, ooh, hour and 35 minutes, we, hour and five minutes, we've ever run. Fascinating. Well, isn't Helen great? 
I think that's absolutely great. I've really enjoyed. It's made me think about the NFU and the complexity of trying to represent such a, such a broad church. Um, I totally get Christine's point that it, 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 were, it is wonderful when they can represent the industry strongly and positively, particularly with respect to government and, and the aspects of policy and legislation, which is, is sort of the, the, the nightmare day job from time to time. So I thank Helen very much for her, um, her insights, her clarity, her understanding. And I think it's great that you, know, you, you can share that with us and, and let's all reflect on it and, and think what else we can do and how else we can behave. And I do like the idea of having positive case studies that we ought, yeah. we ought, to, we ought to bring to you to share because that, that really is powerful as opposed to just negative problems as it were so thank you very much Helen for your time and, and your energy it's been great. Christine, Beverly, anything you want to say before we wrap up? Beverly you go first. Uh, thank you, th thank, thank you Max. Um, I, I could have this conversation all evening and I was going to talk to you <laughs> Helen about um, things like what are your aspirations for kind of gene editing and GMO for the new farming paradigm that I see my colleagues working hard on you know so all the things that Max was talking about with groundswell and the regenerative agriculture how would the GMO and our editing fit into all of that but that's probably another talk isn't it Helen it is isn't it? <laughs> thank you I've been Talk, talking of other talks I obviously want to thank, thank Helen for what for what uh, for giving up her time today and it's great there's such variety of our speakers and uh, mm -hmm. variety so thank you very much and just to say that uh, we are planning to do another one of these next uh, well, the first Tuesday of, of September. But the really big thing is the physical meetup on the 26th of September. And um, anybody who's a member of Women in Food and Farming will get an invite for it. And you, you could actually sign up for it now. And if you're not a member of Women in Food and Farming, if when um, you go on to Beanstalk Global, you can go down, you'll find a link to, to join there. And um, then you can just come along. But it'd be lovely to see lots of people there. Excellent. And let, let's see if I can wrap this up succinctly. Um, Christine, is it still uh, raining in Macclesfield? Yes or no? No, but it's still damp. Okay. Uh, Debbie, have your horses come in or are they still gallivanting around everywhere? They're still gallivanting around. They need chasing. Excellent. Uh, um, Helen, has the combine finished on your right shoulder? Um, yeah. Um, and no, all the muck's been spread. So, and no geese yet. Okay, I'll go back to the combine. Are you going to help with the baling? Are you going to throw some bales around for them? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> going to keep away. And, and, uh, Be Be thank you, Helen. And Beverly, I've had, had a message in. Uh, can we come and pick some little gem because we're having a barbecue? This is some friends of mine in, uh, in Bury St Edmunds. Really tasty straight out the field, yeah. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be along in 10 minutes. Everyone, thank you very much. Another thank you, Max. Fascinating uh, broadcast with women in food and farming on Beanstalk Global. Helen, thank you. Amazing. Thank you, thank everyone. You. Keep safe. Thank you. Thanks, Max. Bye -bye, Thanks, everyone. everyone. Have a good evening. Bye.